The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. At times it seems like when you work on your professional career, your personal life seems to fall behind. Then, when you work on improving your personal obligations, the professional part of your life begins to suffer. Is there any way to keep them both humming along at a successful pace? Welcome to Master Your Life with hosts Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. We'll take the guesswork out of which part of you is more important and show you the success stories of others that can help you realize that you can manage it all. Now, here are your hosts, Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin. Welcome to Master Your Life, the show of insight, inspiration, and intelligence, where we ask you to consider who am I now and who is it that I want to be. Uh, We're just really excited today to be joined uh, by my co-host, Dr. Howard Rankin. How are are you this week? Uh, I'm good, Leah. How about you? Have you had a good week? I've had a fantastic week. Thank you very much. Good. You know, last week we did that show on emotional mastery and how important managing emotions are, and we, and we got a lot of great feedback um, from listeners actually all around the world um, giving us some stories and examples, but basically reinforcing the notion that managing your emotions is probably the most important life skill there is. And today, Leah, we have a great guest, Greg Anderson, whose career has really been about that, both personally and in helping others. So uh, I want to welcome Greg Anderson. Thanks for coming on the show, Greg. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me today. Yeah. yeah. And I know you're somebody who's who literally has invested a lot of time and money in your own personal development and in helping others. But before we get into that, just just give the listeners a little bit of background into uh, who you who you are and um, your background. Oh, my background. Awesome. <laughs> you know, I think I grew up like a like a normal kid, uh, dyslexic, um, in a divorced family, <laughs> and on food stamps. You know, isn't that like the normal yeah. self-employed entrepreneur person like that that, that uh, grows up? That was that was kind of my upbringing. <laughs> yes, and, and so as a young man on food stamps, uh, did you have a, a fairly solid family structure? No, my parents got a divorce when I was 11. So it was, I was in the generation of the latchkey kids uh, from probably grade school on, where it was just nobody's fault. It's just how, you know, the universe uh, started me out in life, where I needed to just learn how to be self-sufficient from a young age. Yeah, and... As painful as that may or may not have been, and as difficult as that may or may not have been, I'm sure it also contributed to you learning a lot of important lessons, right? Yeah, I became that kid in, in resource class. So in first grade, I was told that I would slow the regular kid, you know, class when it came to math or, excuse me, English, 
science, um, reading. So I was removed and put in another class. And my school was so small, that's where I would normally be put in a, in a class with somebody who had some kind of mental or physical handicap, including Down syndrome and, and whatever. And so I became extremely charismatic. I knew that if I wasn't at a certain level um, in, you know, our learning skills, that I would become even greater at communication skills, which, you know, where, where most of this developed from. So where do you think your self-confidence came from, Greg? Sounds like you, like you had a fair amount of it. I was panicked and scared to death that people thought I was stupid. So mm-hmm. in order mm-hmm. to compensate for that, I used whatever skill set that I have, and it just happened to be that, you know, I was pretty charismatic, I'm pretty good at sports, and I was going to become friends with everybody and make everybody think that the class I went to was the cool class because I had extra time to take tests. You know, I I got out of certain things that everybody (laughs) else had to do, so I was going to make that cool because it was really my only self-defense mechanism I had. Yeah, and it's really clever. I mean, it's 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 uh, as well as being really adaptive. That's a, a really brilliant way of looking at in life. How do I make the situation that I'm in? How do I make the most of it, rather than being angry, resentful, rageful? Right? I mean, surely that's a lesson it you've is. seen if many times. Somebody just learn that one skill in their life. No matter what they do, from this point on, their life would be pretty amazing. I just um, sitting here thinking of the number of kids that I've seen as a counselor over my uh, career, and how many of them there was there was many like that, but there was also many that went the other direction, and and so something must have been different in you that you just went that's that this is a better path for me. Um, so were you that way, charismatic all the way through junior high and high school? Like, did you ever have any slips where you kind of felt like, hmm, I don't know if I'm going to get back up from this one. <laughs> Maybe mentally, but not not the, whatever mask I was wearing to try to get mm-hmm. through, you know, life and enjoy mm-hmm. things. Uh, a lot of craziness happened, and you know, mm-hmm. early teen pregnancy type of thing. Obviously, I wasn't the one that was pregnant, <laughs> since I'm a But those kinds of components happen, and I I just didn't know what else to do. So why not just try to make the best of any situation that was happening? And isn't that a, you know a great starting point anyway as a perception? How do I make the best of the situation I'm in now rather than complaining that I'm in it, um, freaking out? How do I make the best of it? So as you moved on um, through the high school years and then into young adulthood, how did how did the skill, which honestly is 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 tremendously emotionally mature, whether you realize it or even acknowledge that. How did that help you, and, and, and what happened? After high school, the very last year of my high school career, uh, my girlfriend, who happened to be in college at the time, got pregnant. We were messing around. I didn't know anything about sex and emotions, and it just happened. So after high school, or, or right before my guidance counselor told me, you know, Greg, I don't think college is for everybody. And I was going to be a really great, you know, construction worker. And there's nothing wrong with that kind of a career because I can work well with my hands. I'm a physical person. Um, you know, I'm strong. I can, I can do this. And so it started out just like that. That's where I thought I needed to be for the rest of my life. Wow. So what, what uh, in the world would have changed that? You would have been a young man, what, 20 years old about? When you 20 years old, divorced with two kids, 
going, how in the world am I going to pay for this? And it happened to be that I was really good at construction. One day in the middle of a foreman meeting while we're building out this, this big subdivision, I'm looking at all of my peers in their 50s, and I was paid at the same pay scale they were at 21, realizing wow. I wanted more. Hmm. And so you did what? I signed up for uh, a computer, you know, class in college and thought, you know, if I can figure this out, I can at least make sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year. It just happened to be that that was in nineteen ninety nine. Oh, good year. Yes. <laughs> so maybe just explain to the listeners why that was a great year to do that. It was great because everything was exploding, and I moved from networking, uh, working with my hands, to computer programming, because who knew that some of the same skills that required me to be dyslexic also was a blessing when it came to complicated processes, as computer programming can be. I'm very good at finding the, the simplest route to a complicated problem. just wasn't really fast at it at first. So I, I changed and went into that market right as the dot-com bubble burst. Just a question, though. At that time, yeah. in, you know, now everyone understands the, the raging pace of technology and, and, and most people can see, can visualize, even if they can't the details, that this is the place to be. Did you, did you have that sense of that back then, um, 17 years ago as you got into it? Did you really feel this is where it's all going to be or is that just something that you wanted to do? No, I definitely went into it knowing that if I was going to go back to school, I was going to take a, a huge pay cut, which meant I could barely afford child support, a car payment, and rent back then. And everything on television was talking about all of the dot-coms and these, these technology companies that were exploding and the amount of money that could be made just by having your degree in that area. That okay. led me to go that direction. So you bit the bullet and you figured out how to get yourself through university. Was it like a four-year degree, Greg? Is that right? You know, no. I made it for one year while, wow. a year and a half, while everything exploded around me. Mm-hmm. And then I was stuck going, wow, there's no jobs left. What am I doing? Where can I go next? And so did somebody open a door for you or did you just stand on a street with a sign that said, hey, I've been in school for the last 18 months? <laughs> so before we're, before we're done with this radio show, I will fully explain what I call the easy button, which is the way that my life has been running. And it's not that it's easy. I just put myself in the right situation and I'm open for new things. Right at that time, I was in college. I worked a full-time job for an American Express programming. I also bartended on the nights and weekends to try to pay for school, child support, all these things. And mm-hmm. I happened to be dating a girl who was a mortgage processor by day. And when it all exploded, she said, why don't you try being a loan officer, writing mortgages, ride the next wave, is kind right. of what happened next. And yeah. I, I'm sure you did not fail at that. Mm-hmm. I became you... really, really good at mortgages and money up to the point where I became regional vice president of IndyMac Bank. That sounds amazing, although there were like 300 of us in the country. And I wrote millions and millions of dollars every month of mortgages during that space. And so money became very comfortable for me. It came very, very fast from $30,000 computer programming to half a million dollar salary inside of about three years. 
Wow, that problem. is a huge. <laughs> and, and, we're and, and folks, we're talking what sixteen years ago or fifteen years ago, yeah, too. So um, yes. that's that's really a, an amazing story, you know. Not exactly rags to riches, but the speed at which you did that and your your adaptability. I think that's really the key. It would have been easy to again feel sorry for yourself and and hold yourself down, but you know. I, I, I didn't know that about you, and I've always been sort of very, very inspired and impressed by that. I think that's incredible. It was pretty incredible until I quit for no reason and walked away. Um, <laughs> There's your dyslexia slash impulsiveness coming in, I guess, right? <laughs> you know, it was more of self-worth. I, at that point, was making more than everybody in my family combined. I didn't realize this for a couple of years, and I found this kind of a normal phenomenon for people that, that you know, I, I started questioning. I, I didn't have the school. I didn't have the career. I didn't know this. Um, I wasn't classically trained, and I didn't come from Harvard. Why am I making more money from or or than all of these people in my family combined? And so, as years later, I dissected this with some help of, of some other coaches and mentors. I had a really, really bad problem with not believing I was worth that much money. So I just. Mm-hmm. physically walked away. My family wanted certain things from me. The people around around me wanted things from me. It was it was like being a professional athlete going from with no money in high school to now millions of dollars and then them walking away from their careers and blowing all of their money. There's just a huge self-worth issue that came along with that I was not prepared for. And so <laughs> that I can I can imagine how devastating that would have been for the people around you and for you yourself how long did it take you to come back, and what was the actual comeback? What was the, you know, the dark night of the soul, as I like to call it? <laughs> sure. How did you get out of that? Later, I always had done well after this point. Um, I, I had enough to, you know, pay bills. I had enough to get by. And actually, now that I'm thinking out of, out of the whole thing, it was probably more like six or seven years, and it was right as I was going through a divorce. I kind of floated from the time I left, wondering, you know, why. I, when I first left that job, I told myself it was because I could go build something bigger and better myself. Mm-hmm. And as I couldn't at that point in time, I floated for three, four, five, six, seven years, um, wondering, like, what was the next thing? And I wasn't poor by any means, but, you know, you also spend what you make in certain scenarios, and so I just never could figure out how to get ahead. And so how does that set that? That obviously set the base and platform for what happened next. Tell us um, in the couple minutes we've got before the break uh, how this led into the next part of your life. Sure. I got really, really good at selling things online. Um, I I came from this real estate background or, or mortgage technology, and I mixed the two together. And it was super explosive. Uh, we started selling people education on how to make money online or how to make money in real estate. And then the mortgage boom exploded. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a second wave of a really bad situation. All of the money that I had made in the last couple of years or in that, that period of time was being taken away because banks were no longer allowing us to to take credit cards, people weren't ready in mortgages, and all of it kind of combined and helped me create my technology company that I run now. Okay, and um, that technology company 
can you give us just a, a, a snapshot? We'll come back after the break, but can you just give us before sure. the break a little snapshot of what it does and how it's grown? Absolutely. So I mixed money and technology, so I can speak CEO and tech nerd at the same time. <laughs> it's, a, it's a unique position to be setting in. So what I did is I found out that there were millions of people all over the world um, wanting to learn new things. They want to learn, how do I become an affiliate marketer online? How do I trade stock? How do I do real estate? And so I started creating these educational platforms for companies, um, individuals like myself. And in order to run all of those, I had to tie lots of different complicated processes inside of a software. And that is the thing that's led me to where I'm at currently. That is, sounds so interesting. And I know we've got lots of listeners that are very much interested in uh, not only technology, but how to, I think, maneuver between careers. So you've done this like with uh, you know, a lot of mastery that you don't even recognize in yourself. Right. Um, so after the break, when we come back with our guest, Greg Anderson, we'll be talking more about uh, his next stages and, and how he moved um, to use his tech in, um, uh, in the softer sort of side of things in communication and marriages. So after the break, we'll be joined by Greg Anderson. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place, think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. Welcome back to Master Your Life. Today on the show, we have the architect, Greg Anderson, who in the first part of the show was telling about his resilience uh, adapt- adaptability uh, in creating himself and finding opportunities for himself. And Greg, you were telling us that you got to a point where you were creating platforms for people to learn. Um, tell us more about the evolution of that and specifically how you got into the personal development space. Perfect. So I realized at this point, right after the mortgage boom had crashed, that people across the world, especially in the United States, were really hungry for new information, but not necessarily did they want to go back to college or spend the money for it. They needed a platform, a way to learn that was easier. And so I looked back at my life and realized as a dyslexic kid, uh, normally a textbook wasn't the best thing for me. What was the best thing was a mix of audio, visual, and some written content. So I started creating these educational platforms that allowed people to learn things 
much more quickly. Again, some was products of my own, and some were for products for other people, because I also realized that there are a lot of amazing coaches out there that have very, very little technical skills. And because of that, their message doesn't come across online very well. Person to person, they're fantastic. But across the United States or across the world, that started to struggle a little bit. Right. So is there anyone in particular that you think of when you, when, like as a descriptor for people, about that they're a really great coach but maybe aren't that great at getting it across online? Oh, geez, you're asking me to, like, dive back into the archives now. <laughs> I know. Uh, I was originally one of I those know. people. Uh, there's a, a, a good friend of mine by the name of Garrett White, who is another who runs an extremely successful men's only coaching company uh, in California, which I was a part of for years. Um, I followed the, the Tony Robbins um, type of people and realizing, like, where were their geniuses at and how did they come across better to people and tried to take their millions and millions of dollars worth of technical assets, like they'd spend millions on a platform, and how do I get it to a coach or somebody like myself that could only afford to spend a few hundred dollars or a thousand dollars to build a platform? And that's really where my specialty was. Excellent, excellent. And and what about your own evolution? Um, here you're talking about providing the technology for people to learn and for other coaches to use, but your own evolution into that personal development space where you were being more than just a platform. I realized about this time that I was an emotional wreck. Um, <laughs> in life, I thought this was uh, something specifically that only men did, but I learned later on it's not. But for me, I was a two-dimensional jerk. I knew how to make money, and I thought that if I made money and I had a hot wife, my life would be perfect. Mm-hmm. Like there was no other issues that could ever come up, and I found out that that was the farthest from the truth that I could ever imagine. So was there some this in particular incident that happened that, that happened to uh, hit you between the eyebrows with that uh, notification <laughs> that you were a <laughs> two-dimensional jerk? <laughs> I was definitely a two-dimensional jerk. And as I'm going now through my second divorce, I'm going, you know, maybe I'm just not meant to be loved. Maybe I'm not meant to be happy. Maybe my job in life is to help coaches and mentors and other people, teach other people how to be happy. But maybe I wasn't meant for that. And that was a, a conversation that kept going on in my head, although I didn't feel that it was true. But it was my current reality at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm, And what shifted that needle for you, Uh, which I assume it did? Absolutely. What was it? Can you identify that? Oh, sorry. And what was it that moved that, you know, from I'm not worthy of it? The real shift came for me when I started asking the questions like, why not me? Mm -hmm. Why could I be so great at business and so horrible at a personal relationship And what happened is I realized I had two different codes of conduct. I had one person that was very direct and honest, and uh, I knew what I wanted, and I was laser-focused in business. But when I came to marriage, I was very much like a wishy-washy yes-man, whatever she wanted. And that wasn't what she wanted either. And so I realized I I was two different people at this point. And so were you still married at this point to your second wife, Greg? We were going through our divorce, and 
as I started going through this, I started asking these questions, and I, I did something really odd. I became a fantastic ex-husband, but in doing so, I, I would have been doing all of the great things that a, a fantastic husband should do. Show up on time. Uh, follow through with everything I said. Have respect and consistency. And in this period of time, I've rebuilt this fantastic relationship with my ex-wife. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and um, you know, something very interesting happened when you started to post this in social media, you know, this, mm-hmm. this authentic feeling that you had. Tell us about that because, you know, that, that's, I think, very revealing. One day, I'm at my ex-wife's house, and she just tells me that she's getting married, which I knew. He had called me. I had dinner with him, as I had a few times. My ex-wife's husband, or, or fiancé at the time, I had talked to him. He called me and asked me for her hand in marriage, because if we had kids, and it's the relationship that I had built with him. So one day, I take a picture of her with myself, and I post it on Facebook, and I, my title was, Can You Really Love Your Ex? And I labeled out all of the amazing things about her. And this post went fairly viral. It took lots of attention. I didn't realize how many people were starving for that kind of, that kind of information or that kind of uh, content. Yeah, I just think that it's such a... Uh, I've been divorced also, so uh, this definitely it strikes home for me. And, and it wasn't necessarily amicable, but I did see a few other people around me having more success at having this kind of amicable um, split. But there's a difference between amicable and actually full-on being a raving fan of your ex. So I'm just uh, in awe uh, that you guys could create that, and I think that's absolutely what the, is what the world needs. So you took that um, experience, and you took that, that viral experience, and you... And you um, Kind of not monopolized on it, but you expanded it. So what did you do with that idea so that other people can benefit from it that are listening right now? Once somebody started telling me that they needed it in their own life, I wrote mm-hmm. it down and I turned it into a book. The book mm-hmm. is called Selfish Divorce. Mm-hmm. And it was a process of how to, and keep in mind, I had two separate divorces that were years apart. So I had the ability to look back and see, and the experience to say, what was a, what did I do when I was stupid and 20? Didn't create a great divorce, which sounds like <laughs> me a great divorce. <laughs> and then what did I do now? So I had these two extreme differences. And so I just started writing it and I put it down in a book and I put it down into a how-to. Yeah, and, and what's the result of that? I'm sure you've got a lot of um, feedback on that, people f- from or to incredulity, um, how's that been received, and what have you done with a selfish divorce? It's been received really well. I created a selfish divorce support group, which is a free group, um, to help people follow kind of the guidelines and have others to communicate with. Uh, interestingly enough, there's been a couple of marriages that came out of the selfish divorce group I didn't expect. <laughs> and a lot, of, a lot of just thank yous. One of the biggest problems that I've seen is the person that says, well, my husband would never do that, or my wife or ex-wife would never adhere to this. Why should I? And so what do you answer to that? I answer to them that they're doing this for themselves and their kids. 
everything mm-hmm. that about the selfish divorce was not technically like, how do I get the most money or how do I get the most time? It's mm-hmm. how do I do what's right for me? So mm-hmm. in three or five or 10 years, I know I did things right. It's all about clearing my mind and my psychology about it. Not necessarily just because I want to be super nice to the other person. It was in my best benefit to allow my wife or ex-wife to move on and be happy as fast as possible, not to hinder her in any way. That was extremely selfish on my part because it got me what I wanted. And, you know, I think there's, I think it's an amazing idea and it needs to be, you know, known a lot more and people need to be exposed to that idea. What what are the reactions typically when you talk to people? Because I'm sure this is not their default setting when you say, look, you need to be respectful of your ex, you need to move beyond whatever it is that's divided you, um, and that is in your own interest. I mean, what's the reaction you get? Surprisingly, really, really great. A lot of people just saying, this helped me so much. And when we think of divorce currently, just saying the word makes people think of two people fighting over money or kids or just fighting in general. I've kind of come to the conclusion that certain divorces end just because two people ended their journey together for whatever purpose. I'm not to be their judge or, or guess. But when they end, it doesn't necessarily have to be a horrible, bad fighting, I hate you for the rest of my life. You loved this person at one point in time for a reason. So it's kind of been surprising. It's just like, thank you. Like this step or this trick helped me understand what I was thinking and feeling so much more. Right. And I, I just, it just resonates so much with uh, what we've been talking about on many shows about the I think, therefore, I am wrong sort of theme of Howard's of that, you know, we go for fight or flight and, and kind of the, the, the uh, reptilian brain of let's scrap it out. And it doesn't serve anyone. I just, so I just think this is such a brilliant, um, such a brilliant solution for people to go, here's an alternative. And that it's, you know, it's as simple as looking up. Um, you know, your website and your information and that people can actually just go to the bookstore or order, order your book online. And, and it's a how-to guide. And again, this comes back to your title, The Architect, which has nothing to do with, I'm sure, this book. And yet you've, <laughs> you've architected this whole, um, you know, how-to guide for people to, like, find a different route around stuff that can be really devastating and cause ripple-out effects to kids for years and years and years of illness and unhappiness and depression and medication and hospital trips and all that stuff. And if you could just, um, you know, kind of put that uh, doorstop in the thinking of we've got to fight it out and, and move into that, the, the other sort of thinking, the higher brain. And this resource even takes it further than that because you don't have to think about it too much. You can just go grab this book and go, you know what, when I can't think right, maybe I just need to read a little bit of, of the book. <laughs> That's my thinking anyway. Or get on the get on the support group. While yes. we're talking about this, Greg, do you want to give just the listeners some, some detail about where they can find this and your support group? Easiest place to find the book is on Amazon. You can also do Barnes and Noble and just order it online, um, and they'll just directly mail it directly to your house. The Selfish Divorce Support Group um, is on Facebook. You can just look it up. It's a free group. I'll explain as we get into this. This is the real start of personal development for me, and it's evolved into a couple other aspects that 
you know, as we get into personal development and some of the things that I was even missing then. But this was kind of the help of my evolution to get where we are now. So you can just go to Amazon or Barnes and Noble and they'll just deliver it right to your house. And the Selfish Divorce Support Group can be found uh, online, on Facebook. On Facebook, right? yeah. I'm just, I'm just wondering, have we reached a point where we can have, just like we have wedding anniversaries, we can have divorce anniversaries? <laughs> we might. Interesting, I have Father's Day um, celebrations with my ex and her husband. Christmas we do together. It was more of, let's do this for the children. If somebody didn't have children together, maybe they wouldn't do this. I don't know. I'm not here to judge. But we do this kind of fairly consistent interaction. I just went to a school play for my daughter, or a summer play for my daughter. I sat with my wife or my ex-wife and her husband. So you could have an anniversary. <laughs> Absolutely. I think you can, you can have all kinds of celebrations. We do this, too, in our family uh, Greg, at this point, and um, early early days, it wasn't that way, but but now for sure, there's there's more connection, and I, I think there's an emotional maturity that happens when you can disconnect from that, um, whatever it is, resentment and and jealousy. So I'm excited to read your book and to recommend it to clients and friends, and um, just maybe one thing you had mentioned about is there some little tool that you use? We have about a couple of minutes before break. Just a little tool that you use to get yourself out of that kind of reptilian brain. Absolutely. So there's a three-step process that I break down for almost anything, and that is I need to know what I want, so your goal, whatever that thing is. Uh, If we're talking about divorce, if we're talking about weight loss, if we're talking about money, it doesn't really matter. What's my goal? And then I always ask myself the question, is this consistent? And um, does this this resonate? Does it work for this goal? Give you an example. Let's say that somebody was trying to lose weight, and their goal was 10 pounds. Awesome, that's their goal. Mm-hmm. The, the next question that I'll ask is, is this respectful of my goal? Is eating the ho-ho or the donut respectful? No. <laughs> and is it being consistent to my diet? No. So I then the same tool. There's just this little three-step process for everything when it came to our relationship. What's my real goal? Is it consistent? Um, and is it respectful? And if you can just ask those three questions, the hardest thing to know is what do you really want in any situation? Most people just don't know what they want. But when you can figure that out and you just ask the other two questions, everything else becomes super easy. Yeah, that's uh, that's really awesome. And um, when we come back after the break, you can uh, talk about that some more and also talk about some other programs that you've been working on where, again, you've been using these tools um, to help people have some, some insight into their own behavior. Particularly, I agree with you, people don't aren't very clear a lot of the time about what they want and how you can actually achieve your goals in anything. So when we come back after the break, Greg, we want to give we want you to give us some more of your pearls of wisdom. We are, uh, this is Leah Manson, Howard Rankin, with Greg Anderson today. After the break, we'll continue with Master Your Life. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. If you've been searching for fat loss and mental clarity in one place... 
Think ketosis. Maybe you've heard about a ketogenic diet but have been totally turned off by the painstaking effort to do it. Well, agonize no longer because there is a solution. What could be just as simple and easy as taking your daily vitamins? Visit reallifetraining.expert to find out. Raise your hand and get in on the front end of the total wellness revolution. Get well, manage your mood, clear your mind. Visit reallifetraining.expert now. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to Master Your Life. To reach Leah Mattinson, Dr. Howard Rankin, or their guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or send an email to Leah. That's L-E-A-H-A at changeyourlife.expert. Now, back to Master Your Life. And welcome back to Master Your Life. Today's guest is the architect, Greg Anderson. And before the break, we were talking about um, pearls of wisdom, because there's been so many in this show. I hope that those of you who are joining us have been able to tune in for the entire episode. Um, Uh, What I think has just been such a gift so far is that there has been just lots of ideas about how people can uh, gain emotional mastery and how they can tap into hidden talents and become things when they just learn how to say yes to opportunities. And so on that note, Greg, I'd just like you to kind of pick up um, from where we left off and if you could just share with us what's kind of happening in your life now um, and in your career. Sure, great. Thank you for that. Remember when I told you that I used to believe that I was a two-dimensional jerk, that that was my life. I needed to make money and have a hot wife, and everything kind of fell apart. Do you remember when we talked about that? I do. (laughs) I just need to say that out loud to myself sometimes to remind me where I came from. In the midst of the selfish divorce and business and trying to patch all these things together, I really realized that there are four distinct areas of my life, of almost anybody's life. That is health and fitness, your body, your balance is your relationships, your, either your husband or kids or wives or people that you love. Uh, being that spirituality or religion or meditation, whatever that is for somebody. And then also how they get paid or getting more money. So through this, this curve of life and the selfish divorce, I kind of stumbled across this this, this tool or way of living where I needed to focus on all four areas every day. And that's really what gave me emotional mastery. So every day you're, you're taking something uh, in each of these areas, uh, body, business, the spirituality, and the balance in your relationships, and really being very conscious and mindful of those things and actually doing something in each of those arenas. Is that right? It's correct. So as the architect or an old computer programmer turned finance, turned, you know, (laughs) entrepreneur, I need checklists. I'm really poor at just being left to my own demise for the day. Like, what am I going to do if I just had nothing to do? It doesn't fit for me. So I needed to build a schedule and a set of checklists of things for me to do each day. And that's in each area. Would you kind of like me to go through each one of these for a moment or two? Yes, that would be fantastic. Yes, yes. Perfect. So in body, health and fitness, Mm -hmm. um, I I want 
to look great naked. I just do. <laughs> but I also understand the psychology and the, the psychological benefit of having something physical to do on a day-to-day basis. I would normally call this the jerk effect. If I don't do something to cause me to sweat, I get a lot of nervous energy in my life. Even today mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. So and what I do with that nervous energy, I might drink too much or I might have a fight with somebody. Mm-hmm. So I want to expel that energy for me in the morning. So besides making me look better, I get all of these emotional benefits. So every day I do something to cause me to sweat, some form of physical activity or exercise, just so that I can get that out there, feed the ego, and then I can get back to work. And then, so what is next on the roster after you are, have checked yourself in the mirror and go, check, I am looking good, but don't my clothes on? <laughs> yes, being for me is next. Being for me personally means I read something, whether it's self-help, whether it's spiritual, or something that's um, uplifting. I'll read a, a few pages or a paragraph until I get a great aha moment, and then I journal about it. I write down, what did I just learn, and how does that apply to my life? And after that, I meditate. Excellent. Excellent. Um and are you keeping a tr- what you say? Are you keeping track of this on a daily basis? Are you literally checking off the the, the checklist? Done that? Or I that literally am. Yes. Okay. What so, I just want to ask a quick so question: of, What do you have any favorite reads? Um, things that you would recommend to reader to listeners? A type of meditation? No, sorry. Favorite books? Oh. A favorite book? A favorite read? Jeez, there are so many. One of my favorite, I've probably read it 10 times right now, is The Alchemist. Um, yes. But I've also mm-hmm. studied religious texts, the Dhammapada, the Quran, the Book of Mormon, the Old Testament. Lots mm-hmm. of spiritual type of, of books, but anything legitimately that sparks my mind to allow me to know that there's more out there than just me. I'm not meant to just be here and be a jerk. Right. So you're working on your theology while you're working on your body. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. And, and yes. with That's meditation, I just want to swoop in on the meditation because I think lots of people struggle. So we've talked about some um, strategies on the show in, in the past episodes, but is there a strategy um, that people can use or that you would recommend for starting beginner medita- meditators or people who have struggled with it? Absolutely. So I've studied this now for four or five years, and I prescribed to this method where my mind is like a muscle. It's like the first time you go to the gym, you have a flabby bicep. You have to do physical curls and exercises, and it makes it stronger. So the easiest one that I would pick is called counting breaths. And it's mm-hmm. just this. You'll set your timer on your phone for five minutes and set it down. And then from that point on, you take an in, a deep breath, inhale, and then an exhale, and that's a one. And you count. And there's really no way you can ever mess up meditation. This is where people stop is because they think, oh, I'm doing it wrong. I'm not having this revelation, so I have to quit. Hmm. So all it means is you count until you lose count. Sooner or later, your mind's going to wander and you lose count. And then you start back at one. And you run back through until you lose count. And it's just counting breaths. And it's just you and, and you counting to yourself until your five or 10 or 15 minutes is up. It's the easiest method I can come up with. And effective. Awesome. And mm-hmm. it is effective. There's no question about that. And I agree. It is about keeping things simple. So we have body, being, what's next? Balance for the day? What's, what does that involve? Balance. I send two appreciation notes, texts, emails to people that I 
love or I want to rebuild a relationship with. As we go through life, we know there's people, whether it's an ex or a brother or a parent, a long-lost friend that you lose communication with. I send them a note. And there's a really, there's, there's one rule about this. I send a note not trying to get a response. If you've damaged a relationship or it's taken a while, if we went back to the five love languages, if we emptied somebody's love bank, it might take three, four, five, six months to get a response. You might never get a response. But if I add that back to the selfish divorce, I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it so that I know that I'm telling somebody how much I appreciate and love them. And then I'm doing my best. Whether they respond back or not, that's not necessarily my problem or what I do this for. I'm doing this for me. Yeah, and that's such a great resource. The five uh, love languages is Gary Chapman, I believe, if I'm wrong. You can correct me, correct. gentlemen. Um, just for people who are looking for uh, uh, more detail, the nerds like myself want <laughs> to know everything, right? Um, uh, and that's a great book and one that I'm sure uh, all of us have used in our coaching practices um, for years and years and years. So uh, your relationships, I love this idea of healing and repairing relationships, um, and we'll talk about that further on. Uh, other shows, I'm sure. Uh, what's your next thing? This we talked a little bit about being in spirituality. Are there other things that you do in that realm? Business. I just oh, business. something business. on sales, marketing, automation, uh, even how to communicate better. If it's psychology, I'll study a book. The same type of thing as I would do being. I'll read it until I get one great aha moment. I'll close it. I'll write down what it was they said, not verbatim, but as much as I can remember, and then how do I apply that into my life? And I do that because of the way that the brain operates. I read it, I store it in short-term memory. I rewrite it, I store it to long, and then I creatively write it how it does apply to me, and I swap the brain to the creative side. And now that's accessible knowledge. Like I can access it. I know what that, that information means to me, and then I take that back to my business to learn how do I make more money or how do I work less or streamline it better. I'll do those four practices, and I track them, and a kind of a gamification that uh, I'll explain to you guys of life on a daily basis. Okay, so to recap, there's, there's body, um, the physical workout, the being, the spiritual, the balance, the social, attending to the relationships, and the business, um, looking creatively, trying to be innovative in your business, the four Bs, and you do some of each of those every day, correct? Correct. And, yeah. And what other tools would you – are there other ways of, of making that really work for people? I'm sure it does. But other, is there another tool that you can give the listener to really bring home those four great, in my view, uh, tools? Yeah, so what I do on this daily basis of tracking is I, I came up with a, a reason or a game, a competition with myself. So every day I do all any one of those things, in body or balance or being a business, I gain myself a point. So at the end of the day, I'm hoping to have four points so that I track this. And in a program, in, in my programs, in, in life hacking, which we will touch on in a few minutes, I don't necessarily need to know, Howard, if I came to you and you said, Greg, what is your life like this week? If I could give you a score and say, oh, I got a 16 and not a 24, you would automatically know that I'm maybe not following through with all of the things that I want out of life. Instead of having a 45-minute conversation about this. So I track it. And when my life starts to go chaotic, I look at what did I score last week? 
just normally how it trails. If I start doing like chaos and my mind is consuming me and I don't feel in stride or in power, I know that I didn't do some things last week, so I go back and look. And it's a really easy gauge instead of letting the mind believe that I did all the work because our mind will trick us almost every time. Mm-hmm. It's an mm-hmm. easy gauge for me to know. Am right. I really doing those things that are most important to me or not? Yeah. I'm just really curious. I'm, uh, how, when you say you gamify it, uh, I think that because you're techie, that you have a tech sort of flavor um, in your life, very strong. Uh, I just want to know, like, is it an actual app of some kind that you have, or is this like a piece of paper, the keep it simple, sweetie rule of just put a gold star or a check mark on a, you know, a four-point checklist every day? It's a piece of paper. It's a piece of paper, people. <laughs> it's a piece of paper. We, we can all do this. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and you uh, one of the first that I knew doing this that what is what's now actually a growing field of what's called self quantification, where people are looking at metrics, measuring um, themselves in this way, giving themselves a score so they can look at their performance and their life. It's great. We have uh, maybe three minutes left, Greg. So tell us about life hacking and where all of this fits into what your focus is now. So Life Hacking is an online program that I created for anybody that wants to learn more about how do they do these things and then be held accountable. So they're closed Facebook groups that people belong to where every day they log in and say, hey, this is what my score is. And everybody puts their score in so that we can have what I think is one of the most important parts about um, making lasting change in your life is accountability to what you're actually doing. It's one thing to just write it down, and it's another thing to know that there are other people counting on you to do the work. So life hacking created in this, in this manner of saying, you know, how do we look at life and realize the, the golden nuggets of information that happened this day or, or in life? And then how do I score this and give it to other people so that I have a support group around this? We've done this on really, really high-end consulting and coaching like mm-hmm, $25,000 mm-hmm. and $10,000 a week programs. And I didn't like it because I couldn't serve as many people. Obviously, I loved the program. I just couldn't serve as many. So I recreated that into some simple steps that somebody can follow online and, and have a community of people to communicate with. Mm-hmm. And I think that's exactly what the point of this radio show is, that Howard and I got together and said, like, how is it that... You know, we've got all this experience and wisdom, and we know all these people with all this wisdom and experience, but it's like, how do we bring it to a bigger audience? So I just love that, like how that um, marries together with, we're just so happy to have had you on the show today, Greg, with all with all of your wisdom and your, your journey has just been so, it really is amazing. And I think for um, parents who are sitting with kids who are struggling in school or parents who are sitting economically not in a great space right now, um, that they can listen to what is your journey and go, wow, like there's, there's lots of hope and there's lots of potential in my family, in myself and in my kids. But what's it, what it's going to require is this whole idea of accountability and writing things down. And that, um, how we start the show every week is the, who am I and who is it that I want to be? And like, so did I get a 20? Did I get a 24? How, how do I um, make uh, the journey each day into a habituated journey of goodness? So being that three-dimensional um, great person or a four-dimensional great person, not a two-dimensional jerk. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 
And so um, as we kind of wind down here, Greg, are there, again, are there um, websites or places that you can direct people who might want to follow up more with life hacking? Yeah, so I created some free education around those three steps, that what do I want, do I have respect, and is it consistent? Um, that anybody can access for free at uh, start mindhacking.com. I'm a computer guy. I like hacking. This is what life hacking is about. The mm-hmm. shortest solution, or the, the, the shortest route to the solution. So they can go ahead and access that, and then that will give them more information about how can they get involved in the Facebook groups and how they can get uh, information there. So that's startmindhacking.com. Well, we could go on um, a lot longer, and, and maybe we'll, we'll have to have you back, Greg, because your story is is very uplifting, and what you're doing, I think, is is cutting edge. I love the combination of the technology and the personal development and how you're finding ways to bring that to people. So we really, really appreciate uh, you being a guest today. It's our, our privilege and honor. So thank you, and, and keep up the great work. And so um, hopefully... You will follow up. Those of you who are listening to the show will follow up uh, with with Greg's resources. And uh, for this week, this is myself, Howard Rankin, and Leah Mattinson uh, saying, uh, join us next time. And next time, we have a very special guest, John Gray, the man from Mars, women from Venus, um, to join us, and we're very thrilled about uh, having him on, so we'll have him next time. In the meantime, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again on Master Your Life. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Master Your Life with Leah Mattinson and Dr. Howard Rankin can be heard every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, Go enjoy your successful life. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.